Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. Today's episode is with a personal friend of mine, Kim Shaper. You guys, she is so inspiring, so real, and preaches lasting change. She is a speaker, holistic wellness coach, certified personal trainer, and women's fitness expert. She works with clients ranging from professional triathletes to busy lawyers and mompreneurs. So she really speaks to the successful women who have built incredible lives for themselves but suffer from stress, health, and hormone issues. Kim uh, struggled with fatigue and eating disorders in the past, and when Kim's doctors told her to just drink more coffee to overcome her fatigue, Kim knew that there had to be another way, and she didn't rest until she found it. So as a result, Kim's expertise and customized coaching style has helped hundreds of women bring their health back into balance. She's lost incredible amounts of weight throughout her whole group and not by quick fixes. She's reclaimed the gift of a good night's sleep and traded in chronic stress for a regular state of relaxation. Kim lives here in Atlanta with her husband and is a proud dog mama to two adorable dogs. Check her out on Instagram at Kim Shaper or on her website at KimShaper.com. You guys are going to love this episode. So tune in today. Kim, I'm so happy to have you here. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. And I love that you've done a podcast. I knew it was in the works. And so, yeah, thank you so, so much for having me. For so long. I mean, for five years, I wanted a podcast. So it's so exciting <laughs> I to, remember. to finally be to here. The plug. Yeah, um, exactly. And you guys, if you don't follow Kim Shaper on Instagram, you need to because you put some seriously funny stuff up. <laughs> She's like one no, of my I favorite people it. to follow. Um, same, right there with you. I love following you too. But I wanted to, because we have so much to talk about and I'm running late this morning, actually. So we're on like a little bit of a time crunch. So I want to get right into it, Kim. And I want to first kind of hear a little bit about your health journey, Um, because I know you're really open about your history with eating disorders and kind of binging and purging and your weight kind of fluctuations. So I wanted to just start and kind of get to know you and your, your health journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thanks so much for asking. And, and just real quick, like, I love what you're doing. Again, your audience is so lucky to have you and you just you're such an inspiration to me and so many so super grateful for this opportunity. So you know, quick backstory. Um, in high school, I was like, totally fine, no issues with food ran cross country and track, I would, you know, lift maybe like five, eight pound weights out of fear of getting quote unquote bulky. And so my my whole thing was I'll eat whatever I want, never thought about food as being an issue. And then I went off to college my, my freshman year and I gained like, you know, the the traditional freshman 15, if you will. So I came back home and I was like, gosh, you know, I really kind of want to get in shape. And so my mom said, well, why don't we work with a trainer? And so I said, all right, let's do it. So we hired a trainer. We worked out with him together and, um, you know, this kind of started a cascade of events because I had never dieted before. So for me going on this super restrictive diet, he put me on, he was essentially like this bodybuilding coach. And so 
he would let me have five foods. And so these five foods obviously were like, whoa, okay, I can only have, you know, chicken and broccoli and sweet potato. And, you know, and that's about it. And I had never again, dieted before. So my body responded really well. And I, I got in great shape and I lost a bunch of weight very quickly. And so it kind of became this little obsession. But what had happened is um, just from going into this restrictive mode, as, as you probably know, too, and a lot of your listeners is, Um, you often go into a binge because you obviously can't hold out with that restriction for a prolonged period of time. And so I found myself binging on the weekends, like on pizza and chicken fingers and everything. And I, I, at the time, I'm like, why am I doing this? I never put two and two together. I'm not sure why, but um, you know, I would find myself binging on the weekends and eating any and everything. Cause I'm like, okay, come Monday, he's going to put me on this diet again. And so when I would walk in in the gym on Monday, he would immediately say, I can tell you've gained weight. You look swollen. And so again, it started this perpetual oh. cycle of, okay, I've got to be super, super good. You know, it's, it's, you know, he's critiquing my image and, and it's just, it would just like create this cascade event. So um, you know, I had literally taken those coping skills and tools and I brought them with me to my second year of college. And I was at the university of Alabama and, um, you know, for me, uh, food went hand in hand with like abusive relationships. So, um, anytime I was in a relationship where it's like emotionally abusive, physically abusive, my self-esteem was in the toilet. And so I would let it out with my eating disorder. So I would run and run and run and just avoid any and all conflict And so I just ran miles at school and I ended up getting down to about 75 pounds and um, I tend to hold quite a bit of muscle. So for me, that was really, really small. My parents pulled me out of school. They put me in a treatment center. And unfortunately, with a lot of treatment centers, if you are going somewhere where your insurance covers it, they want to quickly, you know, pack on the pounds. If you are dealing with anorexia, get you to your, uh, your normal weight and then they ship you out. And so that essentially is what happened. I gained weight pretty quickly after I started eating normally. And then um, they're like, okay, you're discharged. So I had really no coping skills whatsoever to be able to manage what I was doing. And, And often what happens, Kristen, is like when you are in such a major restrictive mode and you start eating again, your brain starts functioning again. And so a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings are coming up that you had suppressed with lack of food or binging and purging. And so it's just, it was just a really hard time and I didn't know how to manage my emotions. So I went back same cycle again, not near severe, but this went on for years. And so I'm 41 now. So between like 19 and 32, I was in and out of seven different treatment centers for eating disorders, um, anxiety, depression, um, you know, just wanted to die essentially, which is horrible, but it's kind of where it was at. So I went to my last treatment center at 32 and I was there for three months. And so it was an all women's facility. They're closed now, but they're in Tennessee. And I finally was like, okay, enough is enough. I cannot do this anymore. Like I have to get better. I have to change. And so I really just was fully committed, stayed there for three months, got out, was, um, did uh, therapy every day or, or every week for a year straight, changed my life. And really just developed healthy coping skills to be able to manage this stuff. So um, now it's like, uh, you know, after my eating disorder, I started noticing that I was still dealing with like massive fatigue and just a lot of bloating. And even though my weight was somewhat normalized, I still couldn't figure out why I was still holding on to a lot of weight. And so um, I went to like all these different doctors and they're like, no, you're fine. Everything's fine. And I knew I didn't feel fine. 
And it wasn't until I found you that you were like, okay, Kim, let's, you know, peel the onion back a little bit. Let's dig a, a bit deeper. And, and this is when you were, you know, with um, another company and uh, the, another lady had helped me for a little bit. And then you came along and really just kind of fast forwarded my health. And so since then, you know, it, it was a, an eye opener to just adjust my thyroid and to get proper nutrients. And a lot of that stuff really just started changing my life. And so um, since then, I've just kind of been on a mission to help women just not feel so alone and realize that their symptoms are normal and that they're not crazy and that you can live a really healthy and fun life. Well, I think there was so many kind of tidbits in your story you just shared that I think are so important to kind of break down. And I think even going back to that first kind of your personal trainer that told you these five foods you can eat, I think mm -hmm. there's you know, it's, it's really hard. And I, I find this all the time that we're really looking for short-term fixes. And as your personal trainer, they're like, oh, you want to lose weight. I can have you eat these five foods and work out and you'll lose weight. Totally. But I think yeah. it's so hard to kind of shift your mindset into like, what is your long-term goal? Because like at the time mm -hmm. when you were eating those five foods, you probably weren't thinking about, okay, well, what am I going to do when I'm not eating these five foods? Because like yeah. you're thinking oh, of yeah. the now, these five foods you can eat. And so it just breaks my heart when you think about like, yes, you can see results if you do these extreme things, but they're short-term fixes. And yep. um, of course, like our goal, and I know your goal is like balance mm -hmm. and longevity and mm -hmm. not being super restrictive and not in our mind thinking there's good foods and there's bad foods. Like I think it's yeah. – I just, that is really frustrating that that was part of your, you know, starting experience with personal training and these five foods. Cause I do think that is probably a huge catalyst for eating disorders. Yes. Uh, and I can tell, yeah. And I can tell you too, just, I think part of the, the issue with that as well is that, you know, with society, you know, as you know, the dieting industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. So and there's always these books coming out and these new fads and these new diets. And, you know, if these diets worked, then why would they keep, you know, cycling them out and doing new things? And so um, unfortunately, yeah. So, you know, society pressures us like, oh, let's just do this next quick fix. And yes, you might lose weight drastically, but then what, what are the tools you're going to use to carry that out? And so right there with you, you know, consistency, long-term, it's not sexy at all. And it often feels mundane and boring, but then what's the alternative? I think we're such a quick fix society. People are like, well, just give me the pill or just tell me what I need to do. But it, it all, we often lose sight of our own sense of intuition and self-trust when we go down that route. Gosh, I know. And then you mentioned also kind of when your relationships were abusive or, mm -hmm. um, you know, unhealthy, that it worsened kind of your eating disorder. And I think that's so true for people that it's uh, somewhere they can control. Like if they, mm -hmm. in their environment, if things are not optimal in their environment, they don't have supportive relationships, a place you can control is your diet. And I feel like our society really points to the fact that like the weight and the size of our clothes is our worth. And mm -hmm. that's also heartbreaking. So you mentioned kind of going in that last time for that inpatient, that three months, and you really learned coping mechanisms. Like, how do you think you were able to shift your mindset kind of long term from that point on? Like, that was your last time in an inpatient. Like, what are some of the big mm -hmm. kind of coping or mindset strategies that you implemented? Or do you think it was just getting into healthier relationships? Like, what was that shift where that was your last time 
in an inpatient yeah, such facility? A, such a great question. Such a great question. You know, I wish I could say it was this aha moment. Like I had this massive breakthrough and then everything was amazing after that, but it, you know, it doesn't work that way. So for me, it was, here's, here's what it came down to. So I viewed it as, okay, the more I got on this, this path of feeling amazing, because many a times we do things based on how it makes us feel. So, you know, let's say that we go for a jog and then after that we feel amazing and uplifted. So again, a lot of the stuff we do is how it makes us feel. So for me, it was, okay, how can I tap into these things that make me feel really good. And so I started um, eating more normally. I started eating more balanced. I didn't view things so black and white or all or nothing. And that started shifting some of my perspective. Like, okay, there's actually like this gray area in things. It doesn't have to be so extreme. And once I started shifting some of that stuff, I noticed like, okay, I am a bit happier. I do feel a sense of a bit more freedom. And we think we're quote unquote in control of the food, but what often happens is the more we try and control, the more out of control we feel. And so once I started kind of shifting some of that stuff and leaning towards this new path, that felt more familiar than going down this other path of self-destruction and low self-esteem and doing self-destructive behaviors. And so once I started again, leaning on that, that other side of feeling better, I didn't want to do the other. But I think what often happens is we're caught in this cycle of not feeling our best, but yet we don't know how to bridge the gap between feeling like crap and trying something new because change is super scary. So what I found myself doing is you nailed it. Um, I started surrounding myself with more positive people, more people who were uplifting. And the reason why I was able to do that is because I was obviously changing within myself. And so I, I know mindfulness can kind of be like, you know, vanilla and overrated. But what I started doing is I started really just, you know, shifting my mindset. And instead of like instantly projecting what's going to happen in the future or what's going to happen in the past, I really focused on being as present as possible. And so what I would often do, and I this, this might sound kind of silly, but it worked wonders for me. And I think it could work for your audience as well. Is anytime I felt a sense of overwhelm or anxiety or depression, it was usually because I'm I'm so focused on the future, like, okay, what's gonna happen if I do this? What about this? What about this? Or focus on the past of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this. Only if I would have done this, why did I do this? We get ourselves in this negative mindset versus truly being present. And so what I would often do to ground myself is I would take off my shoes and I would go stick my feet in the grass. And so, um, you know, I would literally walk outside, go put my feet in the grass, wiggle up my toes around, and it would instantly ground me and bring me back to the present moment rather than, you know, time traveling so much. Um, a couple other skills I used is I really looked at like the foundational stuff, the stuff like what's the lowest hanging fruit that I can make sure I'm implementing every day to keep my mental health as solid as possible. So for me, it was getting adequate sleep, um, getting you know quality sleep, getting seven, eight, nine hours a night. Um, it also included being outside almost every day. For me, um, walking and jogging at the time, being outside, being in the sunshine, help me immensely. Um, also eating nutritious food. So not skipping meals, not eating a lot of sugar, really eating more balanced, you know, three times a day with a couple snacks, um, making sure that I was taking my supplementation. Um, and then um, what was the other one? And then just trying to manage my stress the best that I could with breathing or meditation, or again, just going for walks outside. 
And tapping into my creativity was a big one too. So I would find ways to see what would bring me joy. And so if I knew I could try and do almost all those things every day, it would, it would lessen the load of me wanting to go down negative pathways because I didn't feel as vulnerable. I felt stronger. So that would be the second. And then the third is anytime, again, we time travel, it, it, it makes us anxious and depressed one or the other. And so what I would do is if I found myself wandering, my mind wandering, I would literally like if it was I was having a conversation with someone or I was sitting in um, my office or something and my mind started to go off on this tangent and catastrophize, I would look at something I'd be like, okay, here's this clock. It's black. It has, um, you know, it's two o'clock. It has white lettering. It's circular. And literally when I did that and I picked something apart in the room, or if it was a person and I found my mind wandering, I would like, okay, they have green eyes or eyelashes are long. I would be super district descriptive. And in turn, like that always brought me back to the present moment. So I was able to refocus and, sh and shift my mind. And then the last thing would be a lot of, again, the catastrophic thinking, like this all or nothing thinking. And I would say, all right, what's kind of the, the middle ground here? And usually it would, when I was in that black or white thinking, it was, I was like in this super, super emotional mindset or this super logical mindset. And so it's like, how can I bridge the gap between those two? And remembering that like our emotions, they come in waves. So even though it feels so overwhelming, you just got to kind of ride it out. And you get to the other side of that extreme emotion, but you just have to be willing to sit through it and work through it. And then it subsides and you find yourself becoming stronger because you actually can sit through those emotions. And I think that's the awareness is so key, you know, like mm -hmm. actually being intentional and aware of how you're feeling. Like you mentioned when you're feeling anxious or stressed and overwhelmed, just like taking your shoes off and going outside and putting your feet in the grass and, you know, grounding yourself so many times when you get into that place of anxiety, it's hard to even recognize that you're feeling anxious. And I, I find mm -hmm. that a lot of my patients is the awareness and the intentional decision making is mm -hmm. sometimes the hardest part. Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. get so caught really up. Is. Exactly. is what you're saying. You get so caught up on how you're feeling. So I really, is there anything that you do to try to like check in with mm -hmm. yourself and see like, how are you actually feeling? How is your food that you're eating making you feel? Do you have any practice that you do to kind of help you be more intentional and aware? Yeah. So what I'll do is, is I try for the most part to sit down with most of my meals. I, I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest. It's not always that case because I'm in a hurry or whatever, but, um, I'll sit down. I'll be super mindful of my meals. I'll allow myself to taste the food, see how it makes me feel. And I'm, I'm pretty in tune with my body now. So I, I instinctively know, okay, if I'm going to eat, you know, I don't know, a certain food, it is going to make me feel kind of crappy. So is it worth it? Sometimes yes. And sometimes no. So I I'm honest with myself and I'm like, okay, is this going to like serve me later? Or do I really need to make, you know, a choice where it's not going to like, you know, make me super tired and sluggish. Um, I also, I, I look at it as, and, uh, you know, and this is something I kind of learned in therapy too, is we all have like these different parts of ourselves, parts of us that we love, parts of us that we're not really fond of, things we don't like about ourselves. And that's a work in progress. And yet what I've found is many times when I find myself um, thinking in the extreme or acting on impulse, I take a second and I just breathe. 
And I'm like, okay, who's driving the car right now? Is it like the, the teenager or the child that's like, Hey, I let's do this, you know, or is it my higher self that is trying to be more rational and even kill if that makes sense. So sometimes when, when we're in that moment and we're very emotional or very anxious, we can't really see the forest from the trees. So that's when I, I highly recommend kind of finding uh, um, a mechanism or two that, that kind of brings your, your nervous system down a little bit rather than being in that kind of fight or flight. So that's where I go back to some of the grounding techniques that might be where you go for a walk. So one thing I encourage a lot of my clients to do is take out a sheet of paper and on one side, put active and on the other side, put passive and do this at a time where you feel in a good place where you're not emotionally dysregulated. And on the active side, write down all these coping skills you could use. So maybe you go for a jog or you go for a walk or you take a drive, anything active. And then on the flip side would be passive. So maybe that's taking a hot bath, reading. Um, you know, uh, laying on the couch, something along those lines. And so what I have my clients do is when they feel emotionally dysregulated um, and really heightened and like maybe they want to binge or they want to, you know, go back to um, negative coping skills, I have them pull up that sheet of paper and they, they just start going down the list. They're like, what is it that I need right now? Because when you're about to binge in the kitchen, uh, you don't want to go to a passive coping skill and think, okay, well, I'm just going to lay on the couch right next to the kitchen. Usually it's like, I need to get out of the house. So let me go for a drive. And sometimes it takes them a minute to find some of the, the skills that work best for them. And you have to kind of play around with it. But I think to get yourself out of that state, you sometimes have to distract yourself. And then once you're in a calm place, you're able to kind of identify, okay, what was going on at that moment? What you know, maybe what could I have done differently? How was I feeling? And usually it's a chain event. It's usually leading up to that emotion. It's never just one impulse emotion. Um, does that kind of make sense? It does. Absolutely. And I, mm-hmm. I'm such a proponent for writing things down because mm-hmm. when you get in that moment, exactly as you said, where you're feeling emotionally unstable, it's going to be harder for you to think of coping mechanisms. If for it was, sure. If it was super easy to be like, oh, I'm feeling this way. I need to go for a walk. Everybody would have these coping mechanisms that they can pull out at all times and we wouldn't be in the emotional space we're in. But I think what Mm -hmm. happens is you get really anxious, you get overwhelmed and having that written on a piece of paper, I love that as a reminder of like, okay, here are some of the things, what is possible for me to do right now? Go for a walk, go for a drive. Um, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I've actually never done that myself, but I, I really need to do that exercise. Uh, so you it work works really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you work with thousands of women. I know you mentioned your clients a little bit earlier, um, mm-hmm. a few minutes ago. What do you feel like when you're meeting with your clients? One, what is like the most common goal you hear from your patients? And like, what are mm-hmm. some of the barriers that you feel like are, are hindering them from achieving those goals? Sure. Such a great question. So I call it a couple of different things and you can probably attest to this too, where the majority of my clients instantly reach out because they're like, okay, I want to, I want to lose weight. I want to get in shape. And so they think, okay, well, I just want to, I just want to, you know, lift weights like you do. I just want to get in shape like you do. And I'm like, but you have, it's so much more than that. Right. So um, sometimes you have to, yes, explain to them about the weight loss factor and so forth. But as you know, it's, it's so much deeper than that. So nine times out of 10, it's the mindset behind it as to why they're choosing to have some of these behaviors and stuff. And I would say hands down, 
most women reach out to me like for, for weight loss or, you know, training and so forth. And so while that's fine, um, and I, I help them with that, there's also the component of, okay, what is it that we need to work on with your mindset to make long lasting changes, to create lifelong habits, to actually lean into a place where, you know, you are loving yourself and showing up for yourself that, that feels really good, not from a place of restriction or scarcity or, or you can't have certain things or you won't allow yourself to have certain things. And I really try to help them develop a sense of self-trust because we all have that. We all have that ability to tap into our higher self, our, um, you know, if you, you know, if your um, audience, whatever believes in God or the universe, whatever, we all have the ability to tap into that. And so many times we get convoluted with all these other messages, like you need to do this, you need to do this. And so a lot of my clients just are feeling incredibly overwhelmed. And I literally just bring it back to the basics, like, okay, how are you eating? Let's break that apart. Like, are you eating at least fruits and vegetables every day? You know, like, are you getting some lean protein? Are you so bringing it back to that? Like, okay, how's your sleep? How's your stress? Um, you know, how are you moving? Are you training too much or not enough? And again, I, I think so many times we think, oh, okay, we can't have that little sliver of butter on our rice because that's going to set us off. But it it doesn't have to be that mundane. It can really just be going back to the basics and. So when you ask like what kind of gets in their way, by far the biggest thing is they they want results really fast. And so they think, well, the scale's not moving or my weight isn't budging or I'm not losing body fat. And so, you know, many times they don't they don't come to me with this being an issue in the last month. Usually it's a progression. And so your body obviously is so smart. And it's like, okay, you have dieted and yo-yo dieted for years. What makes you think you're just gonna instantly you know, drop body fat and, and heal a lot of your food behaviors within a couple of weeks. So I would say just managing their expectations and realizing that this is a long-term game. It's not a short-term fix. And I feel like weight loss, like I want to lose weight as the main goal is a really external why. And when Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's, I always think about that and I think about our culture and I'm like, okay, why does every single person I meet with want to lose weight? It's such an external, Mm -hmm. it's the way other people view them. I don't think it's an internally motivated goal. Like I think they, no, not long-term. And so it's like, I want to lose weight because I want to look this way for the outside to view me. Mm -hmm. And so I always encourage, you know, if you guys are listening and your goal is like, oh, I want to lose weight because almost every one of my patients I meet with at stat, that is at one of the top five goals for sure. Yep. Yep. So exactly. Every once in a while, I get somebody trying to gain weight, which is always a little bit refreshing. Um, but most of the time, people want to lose weight. But I always encourage my patients, and I'm sure you do this with your clients too, but is <laughs> what is like an internal why that you want to feel like? What is a feeling that you want to feel better? Do you want to be more confident? Do you want to mm-hmm. have more energy? Do you want to feel stronger? Do you mm-hmm. want to feel more joy? Because I really think if the goal is only to lose weight, Mm-hmm. the things, the drastic things you may have to do to get to a certain number that you were in high school, is that going to make mm-hmm. you stronger, happier, right. more joyful? Right. Exactly. And right. I, yeah. <laughs> I just hope that the people listening that need to hear that is that, you know, the number on the scale, it's, I read this study that, um, 
and this is kind of switching gears to finances, but I think it goes along with weight is that once you make more than $75,000 a year, you're no happier than you were up to yeah, 75. So like, yeah, going yeah. up to 75,000, like there are some basic human needs, like more money does bring happiness. But once you're above 75, you're not going to be happier making a hundred thousand than you were at 80,000. And I kind of yeah. view it the same with your weight. Like, okay, yeah, being it within like a healthy BMI may make you a little bit healthier, like happier because mm-hmm. you're not like sure. obese walking around. I understand right. that. But going from 140 to the 128 you were in high school, you're not mm-hmm. going to be any happier and you're probably no. going to be more unhappy dwelling on that number. Oh, totally. And I, I think, you know, as I often say, it's like you can't hate yourself into getting in shape. And, and you know, if your sole goal is to have weight loss, Many times getting up at 6 a.m. and trying to do a workout specifically for weight loss isn't going to stick. So you're right. It's like, what is the why? Why do I want to do this? Do I want to do it because it makes me feel better? I have more energy. And and you're right. Like the whole the whole weight loss factor. I mean, and even just speaking from experience, the any time the, the fittest I was was when I was the most unhappy because it was all externally based and it was me putting so much pressure externally versus really focusing on internally, how am I feeling? And, and, you know, you can't, I don't know many people, if any, that go into weight loss with a negative mindset and drop 10 pounds and still, and feel like, Oh my gosh, yes, I've arrived. (laughs) This is it. I feel amazing. You know, what often happens you are like, well, why don't I lose a little bit more? Why can't I do a little bit more? And then you also have to put into the equation okay, what is my mental bandwidth? Like how much time am I investing into this? Because people not, people often think they want to get to this certain number. They're so fixated on it, but they have no idea what goes into trying to maintain that number. It's like hours of you know exercise and restriction and not going out to dinner and you know being so meticulous and obsessive. It's like, how much energy are you investing just to stay at that number? And if it's a lot, like how worth it is it really, you know? I totally agree. And that's why I love, I was watching you on Instagram. Um, I think you put this a couple of days ago when you were talking about the HCG diet and you were, you were like oh, really telling us so how you, <laughs> which I, that is like one of my favorite things about Kim is like her program is so based on balance and root cause and whole health. It is not about a quick fix at all. And it's, you know, I just, I love that about you because I think that the, your clients and the people you work with, they're learning lifelong tools to really be consistent and to really focus on longevity, which I think is huge. So I personally just wanted to hear your thoughts on all of the people out there that maybe are preaching more for extreme intermittent fasting or everybody needs to be on a keto diet or everybody needs to be doing calorie restriction. Like what are your thoughts on some of these different diets for women? Um, okay. So, you know, I have my own two cents on it, but uh, I'll, I'll play it nice is that, okay. So my answer most of the time is it depends. Okay. But it, it's never always so all or nothing, but when it comes to dieting, I mean, you said it from the beginning of the call, like how long can you sustain that? Like how realistic is that? And I think, you know, 
when it comes to like intermittent fasting, like, so I heard this lady talking, or I overheard her the other day, obviously, I didn't interrupt and say anything. But I was at the coffee shop, and I could hear her through her mask. And she's talking to her friend. She's like, yes, you know, I'm, I'm doing intermittent fasting now. And it's working so well, I've lost like five pounds, like, it's intermittent fasting. And that's why my metabolism is up. And I'm feeling amazing. And I'm sitting here thinking, actually, no, it's because you're probably eating less calories. And you know, you're in more of a deficit. But obviously, I didn't say anything. But you know, when it comes to those diets, it's like, what, why be attached to a diet, you know, to feel amazing? Like, why can't you just like eat normally in a sense? You know, what I have found is when people start eliminating certain food groups, or they start saying no to certain foods, what often happens They they want more of it, right? So you think about a kid that wants a cookie and the mom says over and over, no, you can't have the cookie. No, you can't have the cookie. Well, they want it even more. <laughs> and same goes with, you know, like for me, I can't the minute, like if I'm ever doing a photo shoot or something, I'll sometimes say, okay, you know, let me just cut back a little bit on the wine or let me just not eat as much desserts. And anytime I do that, I instantly start eating more of it. I'm like, okay, no, I can't go down that route. So anytime we're in that scarcity, all or nothing, black or white thinking, that's where we get ourselves into trouble. Cause and I know you do too. You hear so many women say, well, I fell off the wagon or this weekend I ate so bad, but I promise on Monday, I'm going to start over. And it's like, why not take your Wednesday and make it the same as your Saturday? And it's not sexy. Like it's, you just have to stay consistent with it and be willing to give it time and patience. But again, it goes back to that quick fix. And so Personally, I'm not a fan of any diet because if you can't maintain it, why do it? You know? Right. Right. And that is my, like, I feel like we spend so much time on all the no, no, no list and that we need Mm -hmm. to switch our focus to, okay, if I just spent time figuring out how to eat more vegetables, how to eat better sources of protein. If you focused on all of the positive things, Mm -hmm. exactly like you said, you're not going to be thinking about all of those bad foods as much. And it's also, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, yeah, if you want a piece of cake, that cake is not going to throw you off the bandwagon. But if you eat the whole entire cake, you're probably going to feel really horrible. And the emotional impact is going to be way worse than having a, a slice of cake when you wanted a slice of cake. Absolutely. Well, and then when you when you go into again, all or nothing thinking it's like, okay, I better have all this cake because I don't know when I'm going to have it again. So I better eat it all now. Because come Monday, I'm going to start over again, versus yes, just having a piece of the cake. And one thing you you said that was really important too is instead of focusing so much on eliminating focus on okay, what can I add? Because as you know, once you start adding more fruits and vegetables, once you start adding more protein, your cravings are not going to be as intensified for all these extra things that really just don't serve you well. So by adding some of those things, it's like, okay, this actually makes it easier. And you're just more full and satisfied and content and your basic nutritional needs are met. And so you're going to want those other things less. Um, Yes, exactly. Yes. So important. So I wanted to kind of talk about some like actionable things for our listeners. So I wanted to kind of one on one side, like what are some of the lifestyle barriers you think hinder people from reaching their goals? And then what are some lifestyle changes that people could make, you know, maybe even starting tomorrow to improve their overall health? Yeah, I think it's okay. So for me, it goes to just taking action. So anytime I'm like feeling down or not confident, I'm like, okay, what can I do right now just to take action and just to do the next best thing? So it's the next best thing. So instead of maybe if someone is like eating pizza every day for you know lunch and dinner, 
Okay, maybe instead you're going to add a salad to that lunch, or maybe you have someone that is way over training and they're actually doing cardio two hours a day. Okay, what if you scaled it back a bit and only did an hour and a half? I mean, so it doesn't have to be these huge overhaul drastic changes, but I think these small little implementations go a long way. So, you know, I know some, I'm I'm not, you know, I think your audience probably is a, a mixed bag where it's like you have some that are super rigid and controlling and others that are more lax and feel like they could do better and get in shape. And so, I think it comes down to the individual, but it's also like, what's the lowest hanging fruit? What can I implement right now that's that I can stay consistent with? And so if someone is like never worked out before, you don't want to say, okay, we're going to work out six days a week for an hour. It's like, okay, maybe I'm going to go for a walk for 10 minutes a day or three times a week and give yourself some grace. So start easy and double down on that, master that, and then you can add to that. Because I think what happens is people get in this honeymoon phase where they're trying this new fad diet or this new workout program. They're like, yes, I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to be super hardcore. And then they feel like it's too much. And then they throw in the towel. So, and then as you know, like there's no such thing as perfection. Consistency outwins everything. And so again, what are some small little things you can do every day? Maybe it's drinking more water or, you know, adding more vegetables or whatever those things may be, just adding two or three and master those every single day for a week, two weeks until where it feels easy and it feels like a habit and you can do it consistently and then add to that because what that often does is just create more confidence, more self-trust, more resiliency that, hey, I can actually show up for myself and do these things consistently and it's not so bad. So that would be my two cents. So realistic goals, really being intentional, making sure there's something you can achieve consistently. Mm -hmm. So then you have Mm -hmm. a very, you know, positive mindset on some of the lifestyle changes. I think that's huge. And I know a lot of people that follow you on social media and um, kind of see you and and Kim is very strong and beautiful. And they want to know exactly what Kim does. Like everybody, I feel like I talk to people and they're like, well, what does Kim do? What does Kim eat? What does Kim do? So if you don't mind sharing, like, tell us a little bit about like what your daily routine looks like, what your own fitness and diet looks like. Just kind of walk us through a day in the life of Kim. Sure, sure. And let me just preface with this that, you know, this is this is an ongoing thing. Like I never just arrived here overnight. And I think some people think, okay, well, just tell me what you do. But what I do is going to be very different than what someone else might do. And I also have genetics on my side. So, you know, my mom is a professional bodybuilder. My dad was a world-class athlete. So I have some of that. But you know, I so I weigh the have I weigh the most, and I never get on the scale, but I can I got on the scale maybe like, I don't know, like three months ago. And I weigh the most now than I ever have in my life. But the cool thing is, is I've never felt more confident and more sexy in my own body. And so that's where I'm like, get rid of the scale. Like who cares? That's why I'm so passionate about strength training because there's something to be said for lifting heavy stuff and putting it back down. And there's something to be said for just like, like pushing your body in a sense where you feel strong and you feel good. And you're like, yeah, I'm getting a booty. Like, you know, maybe I might have to get another pair of jeans, but I've got a really tight butt right now. And so, (laughs) you know, so, I mean, you know, to be honest, what I eat, I don't, I don't have a set routine. I don't, um, I don't count macros. Like I don't do anything like that. Um, you know, people ask me like, why don't you do macros? Do you count calories? I'm like, no, I did that a long time ago. And I can't really tell you how to eat other than the way I eat is I definitely always eat three meals a day. I definitely have a couple snacks. 
and I will do, I, I kind of do like the 80, 20 in a sense where, um, I make sure I get enough carbohydrates during the day, especially around my workout. So I'll have, um, you know, some rice or a sweet potato or something, um, you know, before, and then after my workout, some with some sort of protein, just cause I, I feel better after that. Um, my mornings are always definitely a protein and a fat and a little bit of carbs. So I'll do a couple eggs and yes, I eat the yolks. They're good for you. So I'll do a couple yolks with a couple egg whites. I'll do um, maybe some oatmeal and some blueberries and flax seeds, something like that. Um, I'll do like lunch. I try and incorporate at least once a day. I try try and incorporate a hass, which is, excuse my language, huge ass salad, because I can get a lot of my vegetables in during that time. So I'll do a big salad with some sort of protein, one or two fats. And then, you know, if I know I'm going to exercise that day, I'll have a little bit more carbohydrate. Um, and you know, Kristen knows too, that my, 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 uh, fasting glucose and my blood sugar kind of runs on the higher side. So I just try to be cognizant of like not eating tons and tons of carbs, even though I love them just cause it kind of throws me off, but I do eat treats. I eat treats every single day. Is it the best? I don't know. I love it and I don't care. So it keeps my, my mental sanity in place. So I'll either have like a cookie. I love Reese's pieces. I love Reese's peanut butter cups. So I'll have a couple of those. I'll have dark, maybe some dark chocolate. So I have treats every day. Um, dinner is usually some sort of protein, uh, you know, fat, carbohydrate. I just try to eat balanced. I don't cut any food groups out. I don't eliminate anything because um, to me, it's it just creates this vicious cycle and it's not worth it. So I would rather stay at a high, higher calorie range and, and manage my weight consistently versus restricting and trying to lose these last five, 10 pounds that just don't, I don't really care. So it's like, how can I just kind of manage that? Um, for the exercise, I lift three times a week. I'm super consistent with that just because it makes me feel good. And I don't do, so before I used to do a ton of cardio as like a cardio junkie. And now I don't. Now I just lift three times a week and I walk. I walk almost every day just to get some extra steps in. Um, I don't I don't get obsessive about the number of steps, but I just try and walk a couple miles a day. I think people think that, you know, the the neat, so the non-exercise activity that it doesn't count or walking doesn't count because it doesn't burn as many calories. But walking is amazing. It helps with stress. I love being outside. I'll walk my dogs. So for me, it's lifting three times a week. I walk almost every day and sometimes I'll do a little cardio, um, but that's, that's about it. And I think you spend so much, you know, you talked about how you always get a hass in, like you're focusing on making sure you're getting good quality nutrients mm -hmm. and then you're never restricting yourself from the treat. So you're not in the vicious cycle that I know you previously were in where you were binging and, and, you know, mm -hmm. back and forth. And I think that's so key is figuring out what works for you, really focusing yes. on good quality nutrients. And if you probably looked, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, but this is probably the most you've eaten consistently on a daily basis when you look at oh, totally and you're fueling your body. Like food is good. Mm -hmm. Like we need food for fuel. And I think we forget yes. that, that there's nutrients and energy and it feeds our gut microbiome. And so mm -hmm. focusing on how to eat, I think is so important. And so it's last, so important. Yeah. last kind of two questions. And one, I wanted to just go back. You're like preaching what this whole podcast is about is little by little, little becomes a lot. And that's where yes. the name little by comes from. And I really feel <laughs> like you nailed it. Like people don't realize those small things we do consistently do make a huge difference over time. So they really do. It's a compound effect. 
See, so you guys- people so yeah, people think that it's like, oh, you just arrive here, but you don't like it's an ongoing process. And so, you know, my clients that succeed the most are the ones that do little things every single day. And before they know it, they look back and they're like, whoa, I've actually made a lot of strides versus jumping around, trying all these little things. And even though people might not see the, um, the benefits per se right away, they are working. It just might not be where you see it right now. And that's okay. I know. I know. I love that. And then last two quick questions. Is there yeah. one health myth that you want to bust? Mm-hmm. Right away. So I know we're right at the top of my head. So it's definitely that if you lift weights, you're going to get bulky. Yes. It's like my, it's so annoying. <laughs> I lift heavier now than ever. And sure I hold muscle, but yet, I mean, I, I, I feel like, like, um, probably body fat wise, I definitely feel a lot leaner than I did when I was just lifting super, super low weight because I was petrified of getting bulky. So, and your metabolism is so much quicker and your bones are so much stronger. And Mm -hmm. I really think back to weightlifting. Like I know that my mind sometimes is weird, but I really think about like even survival and men weight train, like all the time, historically to be able to like fight and battle. And women didn't. And I always think I'm like, okay, if I need to protect myself, if I get stranded, (laughs) if I am like thrown off a cliff for some reason, if I'm going on like a hike or something and I have to be able to do a pull up to save my life. Like that is the way my mind works is like, this is even like survival techniques. Like we want to be able to protect ourselves and feel confident and strong. I know my mind is a little bit odd, but I think about that as I'm doing a pull up. I love that. You know, you, and you nailed it. Like I was actually talking to one of my clients yesterday and she's like, Kim, my husband was so proud of me. I ripped up all the tile in our house. And he's like, what, who are you? Like you could never do that before. And so I love seeing the strength when it shows up in other areas of your life. And yeah, it's like, how cool is it? If you can pick up a huge boulder rock and you like step aside. Yeah, you know, I, know. I know. Not really, but you know, but the best, the best feeling honestly is when there's weight racked and a guy will be like, Oh, let me take this off for you. I'm like, no, I'm good. That's the best feeling ever. It really like, is. Me that way. Yeah. It's so <laughs> empowering. And then do you have any kind of parting words or advice? I like to end the show with a little thing that people can start doing tomorrow or today uh, to mm-hmm. be the best version. I know you filled this whole show with things, but any, any last parting advice? You know, I think, I think it's, and, and this might be a bit um, broad, but hands down, just trusting yourself, like learning to trust and bringing it back home and bringing it within So what is it that feels good for you? Because what I notice most is when we focus so hard externally on what everybody else is saying, what everybody else is doing, we lose sight of what's best for us. So before you go out and look externally, look within and ask yourself, what is it that I need? Because many times the answers are right there, but we're too afraid to feel them or acknowledge them or um, embrace them. That is great. And this was great, Kim. Where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so they can find me on. So it's Kim, K-I-M dot Shaper, S-C-H-A-P-E-R on Instagram, Kim Shaper on Facebook. Um, My website is KimShaper.com. So yeah, so that's kind of Thanks for making it easy. (laughs) Thanks for making it easy for us. All (laughs) platforms just look for Kim Shaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for taking time out of your day. And um, you guys check out her program. I'm telling you, her clients see huge results. You can watch her on Instagram and see the testimonies. And again, she doesn't focus on the quick fix. She focuses on lasting change, which is what is the most important in the end. I totally agree. And you do the same and you do such a fantastic job at it. So super grateful for you too. And thanks for having me on. 
Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.